Did you know that it is Asian American Pacific Islanders Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Carden, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meath. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA Scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native, Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. I love fast cars, but there aren't a ton of high-performance EVs. They're certainly out here there. But when I when I get a chance to get behind the wheel of one, it's I love it. And I was blown away by the Kia EV6 GT. When you get behind the wheel of the Kia, it, it is literally like being in a state-of-the-art rocket ship, but also comfortable. The thing goes from zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds. It is the premium driving experience. And of course, it's an EV. So the climate thanks you. SiriusXM provides access to over 165 channels in the vehicle. Music, sports, news, comedy, yacht rock. Let's go. Little, little steely Dan going in your Kia. Come on now. So check it out today. It is the all-electric Kia EV6 GT. I had a blast checking it out. Believe me, you should do it yourself via kia.com slash EV6. To learn more, that is kia.com slash EV6. Kia, movement that inspires. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Chelsea, I like your little cozy hat. Thank you very much. Please tell me. Oh, you are. You're skiing. I'm so excited. Where are you? Tell me everything. I'm in Whistler. I'm in Whistler. Oh. That's your place too, isn't it? It is my place. I am so jealous right now. I knew you would be. <sighs> Welcome to Literally. Thanks for joining us. And tell your friends if you uh, if they have not subscribed if they've not imbibed on all of those things, um, that we got a good thing going on here. And I'm glad you guys are joining me because today's a good one. Today is Chelsea Handler. I mean, there's literally nobody like her. I fell in love with Chelsea with her first book, um, Hello Vodka, It's Me, Chelsea. One of the great titles of a book. It might be the best title of a book ever. Um, and some books, stand-up talk shows. She's done it all. Um, I'm not going to lie. It's sometimes interesting to see her half naked on Instagram. Let's face it. Um, and we're about to talk about um, anything and everything. Also, one of the great skiers, one of the great celebrity skiers. Um, stay tuned. And I like saying the word stay tuned because nobody's tuned anything anymore, but it makes me sound like it's a professional show that I grew up listening to. Stay tuned for Chelsea Handler. Tell me, how's the skiing? Um, it was, it's pretty great. I mean, today I was skiing pretty kind of not great because there was no visibility. So it threw me a little bit off my game, which I did not appreciate. It's my 24th day of skiing this year. So I've been moved up here. Like I bought a place here, um, before the election, just in case things went south. And (laughs) then I was like, 
with COVID, I'm like, okay, I got to get out of LA. We are the worst. So I got a gig in Canada, like a residency at a theater in Vancouver where I'm supposed to perform once a week. And I was like, oh, perfect. That's work visa. So I came and now I, I'm not performing because they still haven't res- uh, lifted the restrictions. I love everything about that plan. Um, everything about the plan and the way the plan's going. It's just everything is working in my favor. It's almost like I've done something good in another life. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're, you're, you're reaping the rewards. How has the snow been this year? Uh, It's been good. When I first got here, I quarantined for two weeks and it it snowed for two weeks straight. So there was a nice base. And now there's like 25 centimeters. I now talk in centimeters because I'm Canadian for winter. Yes, Yes, exactly. Um, It's coming this weekend, tomorrow. So that'll be great. (sighs) I'm with Kelly, our ski guy that we share. And Ben. Yes, yes, the whole crew. (sighs) Yeah, it's real fun. Oh my God. I mean, I ski every day. I just go out to the end of the road and ski down and go on. I mean, it's heaven. Heaven. Oh, you're living your best life. You, you, but you always kind of live your best life. I think, I mean, nobody has more of an adventurous spirit than you, I think. Oh, well, thank you very much. I take that as a compliment. (laughs) Right. I mean, you you do your thing. You get out there and you, you live life and you do what you want to do. And and tell me about the, I I know that with COVID you can't do it, but the um, residency. Because you hadn't done stand-up in a long time, right? Until recently. Yeah, until recently. And then I was like, oh, I just filmed a special for HBO Max. And I was like, oh, now, so once you film something, you have to start again. And I was like, oh, this will be perfect. I can go practice in Canada every Saturday night. I do two shows at this, the Vogue Theater, it's called. Um, And they have like, you know, limited seating because of COVID. So it's like 73 people a show or something. I'm like, perfect. I can warm up my material in Canada. But now that I've been in Canada, like I have a lot of Canadian material just for Canadians. You know, can you, you know, I'm obsessed with Canada because we always think that it's just like us. It's nothing like us. No, they're civilized, actually. It's like nobody's yelling in the middle of a CVS about wearing a mask. You know what I mean? No one's doing that in Canada. People, it was like after COVID and the election and all of that, like the last four years of just such, you know, whatever, chaos. It it felt like I was, when I came to Canada, it felt like I was welcomed to civilization. It was like, oh, this is where people are respectful to one another. Yeah, tell I'm curious. Tell, what other differences do you find uh, in Canada? The, a lot of the Canadian women and the couples are really like they're they're running the show, like on the serious tip. Like Canadian men are are a little bit more timid, I would say. They're more willing to like take the back seat, which I think is more masculine because that's just what's going to happen anyway. You know, you're married, you understand what happens. Oh yeah, I, it's you know. Happy wife, happy life. You know, being married is sort of like picking what hill are you going to are you willing to die on? (laughs) And and the answer is I'm not willing to die on many hills. Really, I'm not. And and the Canadian guys, I guess you're telling me have figured that out. Yeah, they're just like, listen, we don't want to cause any trouble. We don't want to rock the boat. That's the general vibe of Canadian men. Um, I mean, I'm, it's not like I'm meeting a lot of single men. So maybe their vibe is different because of COVID. You know, you can't like, even if you go to Christine's for lunch, it's like you're separated. You can't mingle. Right. Um, you know, everyone's masked up skiing. So it's not the greatest year for romance. But listen, uh, that would just be the icing on the cake, right? I mean, I can't be that greedy. You can't have everything. 
No, I I mean, I'd rather just be single and joyful. You know what I mean? uh, 100%. Um, Let me ask you a question. Because so what happens in, and then we'll stop skiing stuff. I could talk about skiing forever. What happens with like gondolas and stuff? Like I ski and snowbird a lot in Utah and they're famous for their giant tram, which was always disgusting. It was always gross. It was always people packed in literally like sardines and the, oh, bleh. but now I can't even imagine anybody doing it. How do you get up and down the mountain? How's it work? Well, there are rules. I mean, it's strict, you know, I mean, because you can't get on a gondola with someone you don't know. Like even Kelly isn't supposed to be, my ski guide is not supposed to be in my gondola with me, but you know, we do that anyway, because it's ridiculous. And we're in the same bubble at this point. So a lot of bubbles going around, a lot of bubbles. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you don't get on you like it's one person. So it takes a long time in the morning. The lines are really long if in the morning to board because, you know, it goes so slowly. Plus you have to distance online. So I'm um, fascinating topic of conversation for your listeners. I'm I know sure. that I, I, my numbers are plummeting by, by, by the moment. Uh, but I don't care. This is why we do a podcast. We get to, this is this, you know, I mean, you, you did a talk show. You, you had to suffer people you didn't want to talk to, I'm sure. And talk oh, about things. I you actually, to. actually, I do have a funny story about Whistler. So I was doing another podcast a few months ago and I said, oh, I'm going to Whistler. And this guy hooked me up with a friend of a friend and said, oh, you should ski with these women. So I meet these two women on the mountain and one's like 60 something. And one's like definitely 70 something. And they just haul ass. Like we say hello, it's like literally 30 seconds and they just start hauling ass into in towards seventh heaven. And I'm racing, like trying to catch up with them and I can't. I'm like, oh my God, get your shit together. I'm like trying to put my music on, get my gloves on. And so I'm like trying to catch up, catch up. We go on the chairlift, we go up and they just haul ass down the mountain. I'm like, all right, hold on a second. I'm like, let me step. I was a little stoned, you know, I had just woken up. So I was like, let me step on it a little bit. Let's get my shit together. And then finally, I was like catching up with them and catching up. And then finally, I beat both of them. And as I'm passing the 75-year-old, I was thinking, (laughs) what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Are you racing a 75-year-old woman down a ski mountain right now? And then I was like, you can't do that. That's just too lame. (laughs) And so that was the end of my I When I first met Arnold Schwarzenegger, I met him on the ski mountain. It was the same thing. as like, hey a bunch of people going to get together to ski and I didn't know Arnold was going to be there. I'd never met Arnold, didn't know Arnold. And it was clear when I showed up and was introduced that he wasn't thrilled to see me either. He was like, I was, no, I made a mistake. I was excited to see Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger, I get to meet Arnold. But I, I could tell when he looked at me, he was like, oh, great. You know, he's another one of these Hollywood pussies who doesn't know how to ski. It oh, was like, right. oh yeah. Right. And I do know how to ski. So it became clear as we were going down the first run that like I can ski, he can ski. Oh, he's good. I'm good. By the, by halfway down, it was an out and out mono a mono race to the finish. Yeah. And I remember I got to the, the front of the, there was nobody at the bottom of the chairlift, but I stopped at the little gates where you would enter the chairlift. Like I won and Arnold, blew past me to the actual chairlift, got on the chairlift and went up and I never saw him again. And I was like, well, that's a baller move. He just, he just like, he literally just <laughs> made the finish line a lot farther away. And that, that's how we became friends is, is through skiing. I also, I also got to ski with Clint Eastwood once. That was pretty fun. Oh yeah. How's he as a skier? Methodical. Yeah, I would imagine so. 
Really? But like, you know, Clint's, how old is Clint now? He's, is it possible Clint's 90? Is that possible? I think he's closer to 200. 290. That's what it is. Yes. Um, 290. But listen, my hat, you know, skiing's brutal, man. You fall and you're like, I'm now ski, like I'm, I ski like a 56 year old breadwinner. That's like when people say, (laughs) what category are you? I'm the guy who can't tear a meniscus. I can't. Yeah, I have a torn meniscus. Actually, no, I got my meniscus fixed and I'm skiing on it and it's pain. I mean, I got it fixed. It's worse than before I got it fixed. (laughs) They say you don't need to get that surgery always. And I was like, no, anything you could get surgically fixed, I want surgically fixed because I love to ski so much. And now I have to get it drained every week. It's a hot mess. I mean, you should see what I have to do just to go skiing to my knee. You know, as we as we get older, we're supposed to gravitate to like sun vacations and like water and not be cold and the wind beating the crap out of us and flat light and, you know, breaking a rib. But no, you and I are dumb and we're just sticking with it, aren't we? Yeah, I'd like to step it up a lot, a little bit, you know, like physically as I get older, I'm stronger. I'm more mentally like sound, you know, I'm like more competent in everything. So I definitely don't want to like, you know, segue into lawn bowling or anything prematurely. No, no we're not going to do that. I don't think anybody, anybody wants to see that. We, um, I want to ask you, what, and this, I'm going to jump around a little bit, but tell me about your experience uh, working with Playboy. Did you, was like... It was in 2009, right? Is that when you did a, a, a cover for them? Did you ever, am I, am I making this up? No, I think Chewy and I, Chewy was my, my co-host for Chelsea on Chelsea Lately, uh, my sidekick. Yes, right. He was a little n- n- nugget friend. And <laughs> he and I did a Christmas cover of Playboy where we were like, in, he was dressed as Santa and I was, we weren't, it wasn't a typical Playboy cover, I don't think. Damn it. But I oh, God damn it. it was, oh yeah, it was a cover. But it was like a holiday special, fun, cute. Yeah. It so it was one no, of those. I make it all the time in regular life. I, don't I know. I know. Well, Why would I do that? I, well, that's it's so counterintuitive. You're like, I know I'm going to do Playboy, but not be naked. But right. like on my morning. Hello, selfie. I'm going to be naked. I like yeah, the way that yeah. you, I like to keep people on their toes. I know. I like that. See, I was hoping you did one of those like. Jamie Freetag. He was always the photographer. Not that I read a lot of Playboy when I was a, a young boy. Why would I have ever done that? No, but he was, of course he, not. He was always the the photographer, Jamie Freetag. Mm. I was like, I want to grow up to be Jamie Freetag. He's shooting all these beautiful women and just amazing. Um, so you did the Playboy cover that I would not have bought. That was the one. Well, it was maybe. always like- It was like, you know, funny. It wasn't sexy. I wasn't. Well, I wasn't it was sexy, but it was more funny than sexy. I wasn't buying Playboy for the for the funny. No, it was. You know, you know. Well, I was just trying to give you a little extra credit there, Rob. I know. I know. I I only evolved into that guy recently. You know, when I was fifteen, I was you know like a typical fifteen year old idiot. Um, so insane. What? Um, tell me. You know what I loved also, by the way, about doing your show when when you were doing your your uh, your talk shows. You had your dog in the studio during. During the interviews, it was the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Did they ever like, what, what was their greatest moment? Was there ever like a. Probably going to the bathroom while a guest was talking, you know, and behind them. And, <laughs> and then Kevin Hart came on and my dog went nuts on him. And Kevin was like, your dog's racist. And I was like, he is actually like, it was obvious that at that moment, we know that he was, there was no denying it. And so that was really funny because Kevin just was like, you know, Kevin and I are really good friends and we had never discovered that my dog was racist. He's no longer with us, 
But my two, I have two new dogs. Actually, I brought them up here with me, Bert and Bernice. They're with me in Whistler. And I've never been alone with them for this amount of time. So it's a real adjustment period because they think I'm like the nanny and that my cleaning lady is the main person at my house. Right. So they sure. love her. <laughs> so if I want to like get their attention, I have to speak in her accent to them and be like, Bert, you're a good boy. You know, like it goes, <laughs> the whole thing that happens here. And they're so pissed that they're alone with me because they know that like I'm not really as capable as she is of like, you know, giving them all the things that they need. Do they go in the snow? My dogs hate weather of any sort. They're like yeah. complete wimps. And, and so I, my dogs would, would not, you, if they were in the snow, they would go out, stand there, look at me like, are you crazy? Not go to the bathroom, come back into the house and go to the bathroom everywhere. That's what yeah. I would have. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm on a similar kind of schedule, actually. Funny you mentioned that. Yeah. So I don't, they're not, they're definitely not happy from transitioning from Bel Air to, to Whistler. Like they're, they, they were very confused for the first couple of weeks. And so they're slowly adapting, but you know, it's not like I'm spending a ton of time taking them around. I'm skiing when I can. So I should be a little bit more mindful of just like try and take them on those walks. You know what I mean? Like long walks and parks and do all of the things that, you know, real good dog parents do. But it's 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 uh the the snow is not is no joke with little animals. Well, it's- no, and there's also coyotes everywhere. I hear them everywhere. Hey, I have a question for you because I was just talking to Kelly about this because we're all kind of in the same age group. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we were talking about like how much less ego maniacal you become as you get older. And I was thinking when we because I was doing your podcast today, I was thinking, oh, I bet that's interesting to talk to Rob about because. You had to be, because when we're young, our egos are so huge. And when you have such fame at such a young age, you must be a total dickhead, right? Like It's in the water for sure. It's part of the, it's part of the cocktail. Yeah. And when you look back at yourself and the things you did when you were that age, aren't you mortified? I have a whole filmography I can be mortified by. I mean, all all I got to do is hit Google. Google exists only to mortify me. (laughs) Um, Really? and, it, and you know, it's like, it's like the, I, but I also think it's the, it's the way anybody is, but because if you're famous, it's just, it's exponentially bigger issue. Right. So like, I think I know my kids at 22 think crazy self-centered thoughts. Right. And right. then you add fame on top of it and you're like, you know, it's, it's, it can be totally ugly, but you were like when your first. How old were you when you sort of got your first break? Mm, I don't know. It was like a series of small breaks, you know, that would right. probably go unnoticed to other people. But for me, mm-hmm. it felt like momentum. And then I think I did a, I did a couple of shows and then I did Chelsea Lately, which ended that up was being the a big one. And so, yeah, from then on. So I think I was like 32 when I started that show. Maybe I have no sense of time. So I could have been 12. How do you mark sense of time? I'm the same. Like the eighties are not marked by years for me. They're marked by the movies I did in the eighties. And then the nineties are marked by what was going on with my kids. I have no right. sense well, of kids are like a reflection of your own age. Right. So when you have yeah. children, like that's your marker, you you know, right away that you're old because you have a 22 year old or a 32 year old son. Yep. You're like, Oh my God, how the hell did that happen? That's why I remain childless and alone because I don't want any reminders of what's happening <laughs> of what's going, what's really going on with my knee, which is I'm in decline. <laughs> <laughs> no, you are not. You're in ascension. I'm ascending. I'm you're, ascending. As- you're ascending the mountains. You're, you're ascending your physicality and your mental stamina. All of it. 
Hold that thought. We'll be right back. You know the only thing I ever let interrupt my podcast? My dog. Take a minute now, please. Pet your dog while you learn about Bark, the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. Every toy is tailored to your pup's size and play style. From squeaky plush toys from BarkBox to ultra-tough, durable ones from Super Chewer. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Each box is inspired by a new theme and comes with fun surprises for you and your dog. For a limited time, they'll double your first box of goodies for free. I love making my dogs happy. Love it. It's my favorite thing in the world. And my dogs are obsessed with their chewable toys. BarkBox offers treats to keep my dogs healthy and amazing new toys that keep my dogs entertained. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash Rob. So I came home to a little gift in my bathroom the other day from our friends at Harry's. To get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. You know who challenged the status quo? Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by questionable products in the shaving industry and decided they had something better to offer. So instead of charging the same old ridiculous prices, Harry's found a way to make their beautifully designed razors, and they are beautiful, for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. Exceptional products, honest prices. That's Harry's. They have the highest customer satisfaction in shaving history and a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. And Harry's also has other self-care products that meet the same quality standards as their razors. Richly lathering, skin-softening body wash and scents like Redwood, Wildland, and Stone. And an extra high-quality, amazing-smelling deodorant for just five bucks. I love their stuff. I'm so impressed by Harry's products. All of it. It's all good. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash Rob. That's harrys.com slash Rob for a $3 trial set. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you've been listening to Literally long enough, you'll know that I am a big believer in getting the help you need. Therapy has been a big, big, big part of my life and something I think we should be all doing as needed just like checking the oil on your car. I've spoken about this, and we all carry around different stressors, big and small. We keep them bottled in, and it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to get the things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Rob Lowe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Rob Lowe. Okay. I, one of the great things you, this, you do this when you did your, all your talk shows is 
you had, um, you know, we have our people that give us information on our guests and I opened up the packet on you and I'm like, I know Chelsea, I don't need to look at the packet. This is going to be great. But then the, the, you didn't, did you, or did this, you didn't go to dinner at Jeffrey Epstein's. This has to be bullshit. That, that I, I did have go to dinner at Jeffrey Epstein's house. So I didn't know who Jeffrey Epstein was, but it was like, you know, 20, I don't know what year it was, but it was a long time ago. I went with Katie Couric, uh, Woody Allen and Sunni Previn were there. Charlie Rose was there. And then someone else, Patty, someone, some in New York, you know, uh, Patty Siegel is her name. I don't know. Is she a publicist? Pe- Peggy Siegel? She, Peggy Siegel. Yeah, that woman. No, she's not mine, but she. Yeah, yeah Peggy Siegel. Sure. So, yep. no, I was at that dinner party, not for very long. I didn't, And when we got there, I was like, what is this gathering? Oh, yeah. Prince Andrew was there with, 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 uh, no, with no one. He was there with, I guess he was, he was with Jeffrey Epstein. So we we went there. Yeah, we had dinner and it was so awkward and so weird. And I was like, what are we doing here? And then I asked Woody Allen how he and Sunyi met. And that was when I left. Wait a minute. You asked Woody Allen how he and Sunyi met. Yeah, like at that point of the night, I was like, this is a, just a ridiculous dinner party. Who are these people? I didn't understand. I'm like, what kind of? And then I looked at Woody Allen. We were sitting together eating dinner he was sitting next to me and we were talking about you know who knows what and then I really was curious like I had forgotten for a moment and so I asked them what I would ask any other couple but as it came out of my mouth I knew that it was too late and I was like oh and he loved it and soon he I don't think she heard it but Katie looked at me and she's like let's go (laughs) (laughs) I'm used to the party on that note so I was ready to rumble that that might be I love I love social faux pas stories. That's a great one. That that would that would be yeah, awfully I hard to beat. Consider that a faux pas because I'm not being rude. They are by marrying your stepchild. Like that's rude. So I don't even consider it a faux pas. Like good point. Yeah, thanks. Point well taken. I retract. Your Honor, I retract my previous comment for the record. Um where what was this on the private island or was this in New York? The Jeffrey Epstein. Oh no, no, I've never been onto the private island, and I've never been on his plane. I met him one time, and that was the time. Well, listen, that was a star-studded moment, though. Yeah, it was right. It was yes, it was very confusing. <laughs> I, I I'm just that's so insane. But haven't you been at like those kinds of things? Not with Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, but haven't you been at these the most random gatherings? Like yes. especially when you travel, if you're in London or like they people think like celebrities all are supposed to be together. So mm-hmm. like if they know one, they put you in. All of a sudden, you're having dinner with like you know Tina Turner and you know, somebody, and you're just like, wait, what happened here? How did this happen? And sometimes it, it's awesome. And sometimes it's just silly. But it is a London. I, it's funny. You mentioned London of all the places you could have mentioned. It's very much a London thing. I find it's like, I'm over there a lot. I have friends there a lot. I've worked there a ton and I love being there, but it's always like, oh, you know, who's in town. And it's you know, like, no, I don't know that person, but, but it, and it's, and it's, oh, but also it's much more social there. I think I'm, in LA, nobody, I feel like nobody does anything in LA. Well, now with COVID, nobody does anything. It's like, I mean, how hard are you willing to look like work to see somebody? You have to go sit outside in your backyard, which of course is pleasant enough, but you're only going to do that with the people you want to be around. So COVID is like, you're really thinning the herd. Don't you think? Like friendships are just kind of falling off because it's hard. You can't see everybody with all these rules and regulations. It's better just like stick to your own thing. It's I'm shooting um, my TV show 
911 uh, Lone Star, and it's a big show because it has drama, it has rescues and fires and explosions and all this stuff, but we're still able to shoot, which is great, but we're all in double masks and face shields. The actors aren't, obviously, when we're acting, but you can't understand anything anybody's saying because yeah. I, I, I'm deaf in one ear anyway, so oh. I have a really hard time. Yeah, I can't hear anything. And Why? When did, how did, when did you become deaf in one ear? Um, I, since I can remember some, like an infant, my, I, I, the story I'm told is I probably had the mumps or some kind of a really insane virus when I was a, an infant. Mm. And so it fried out my, my ear. So I can, I have really struggled with, with that. And so, but now they'll be like, I'm like, what? There's an explosion going off and I'm going to move when, when am I moving? It's. Really, really hard to make <laughs> to make action stuff with in COVID when you're half deaf and everybody has. But you're an action star, so nothing's going to be able to ever stop you. No, this is what I. This is I picked a role that forces me to stay in shape and um, physical. You know, I figured this is the, now it's my literally my job to do it. Yeah, right. Because yeah, we have to. But yeah, I copy that. Right. I mean <laughs> yeah. that's. That's one of the reasons like, I always say the camera is a fickle mistress. It doesn't lie. You know, it's like you got to, you know, you got to keep it. You got to keep it real. Right. Right. That's right. why. Uh, by the way, that is uh, the single best thing about skiing is the calorie burn. I mean, that is <laughs> it's the it's the, the best, this is my ski program. I like to ski early in the morning because I get up really early. So I like to be out the door by like 830. I go down, I ski for like till 1030. Then I come home. Then around 1130, I go to Bar Oso and have a margarita and some croquettes. And then I go back up on the mountain from like 12 to 230. I mean, it is the perfect day. It really is. There's nothing better than a margarita when you're skiing. It is just because I'm. it's refreshing and it gives you energy. And then, you know, for the second half of the day, it gives me a little like it's like a little Jamba Juice boost. I, I lo- Now, let me ask you, but what, what part of the day are you checking your Raya app? Because I heard you're on Raya. Is this true? I am. I am. But I don't I haven't really done any of that when I've been up here. I'm too busy skiing. But yeah, I'm on dating apps. I mean, I'm on that app. Yeah, my my. Uh... My son, Matthew, met his girlfriend on Raya. Oh, did he? Yep. Oh, they, wow. Yeah, I they, actually know a lot of people. You know what? With my experience with Raya, it's a much more, uh, yields much more consistently decent results than yeah. probably a lot of other apps because there is some sort of like admission process. So I've never met like a total douchebag or somebody that I was like, Ugh, I can't, you know, be around this person. Everyone's pretty cool and normal. So there's that. I... Wonder what it would have been like to have a dating app in the 80s. Well, I don't think you could have been on a dating app in the 80s. Or you probably were on a dating app and you didn't even know it. My life was a dating app. Yeah, seriously. But it, but like, what would... It's so... It's like, you know, when you've been married as long as I have been... How long you, have you been married? It'll be 30 years this year. Oh, my God. That is so crazy. It's, it's it's coming out of my mouth as I say it. I go, is that really right? But nope, that's the math. 30 years together with someone means you've been together longer than you haven't, right? That's right. And we were together before we were married. So we've if it's being together, we've been together 35 years, probably, often, you know. Um, and so it's been a long, long time. A lot has changed <laughs> in the culture. Uh, there was no internet. There were no cell phones. Like, I don't know what I, what that would be like to be, 
to 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 navigate that today. I that it would be so interesting. I mean, well, people, everyone's a little bit off in the dating sphere these days. I mean, between COVID and politics and all this stuff in the world, like dating is just a lot of people met during COVID, but they just like hooked up for the duration of COVID with somebody like nested, you yes. know, because after yes. eight months of COVID, I'm like, I'm going to have to have sex again at some point with somebody. So I'm going to have to like meet somebody that I don't know. And we're just going to have to test and, you know, be responsible about it because at a certain point you're like, Am I ever going to date again? <laughs> I, I, yeah. And, and then the politics of it in today's world, probably, well, that's half the population is undateable for you, right? In, in, yes, in, in, that's right. <laughs> in the United States. Well, not but, half the population, but anybody, well, yeah, actually, uh, that's a fair be, right? At this point, I think so, yeah. Okay, so what are your... And only a quarter what, percent of the population is interested in, in dating me. So I've already cut it in half twice. I don't believe that for one moment. I don't believe it for one, for one moment. What are your like little, like everybody has those little things. Like it's like, it's like fly fishing. You, you throw it out gently to the fish and you hope the fish takes it. And then it tells you a little something about the fish and are you going to catch the fish or not? Like, like, what do you, how would, how do you begin to gauge who you're dealing with as you're beginning the dating process? You're like, so do you like wearing red trucker hats by chance? And they're like, yeah, I love red. Oh, fuck, he's out. Magnet no, out. no, no, no. But clothing can be a huge turnoff, Rob. And so don't think that it can't. Like if a man wears an Hermes belt or too much cologne or flip-flops, it's a wrap. You know what I mean? That's not mm-hmm. an opening statement. So I, I just like to interview them, make sure they're like, well, the great thing is I got, I had bought these COVID tests at my house. So I had like 20 of them. They're like these rapid response, you know, they were 99% accurate that I got from my doctor. So I would have guys come over, we hang out in my backyard. And then if I was like, okay, this is a guy that I could like, you know, have like be on a date with. Yep. Uh, then I'd be like, Hey, do you want to take this COVID test? And then if I wasn't into them, it takes like 20 minutes. I would just come back and be like, you're positive. <laughs> I, I love that that's how you cut them now. That's the new age. You got COVID. Oh, guess what? You have COVID. You have to go now. You have to leave. And then there's no conversation. Then they just have to go. And then if you like the guy, you're like, oh, they're negative. They're negative. It's like, wow. It's almost like the anticipation, it becomes almost re- relatable to high school years, you know, because of like that little, you know, when you're not actively dating, when you do find someone you like, you're like, oh, let's get the party started. You're like, this is great news. What so what what I, I love the, the, an Hermes belt because I I have an Hermes belt I have an Hermes belt I do yeah. but that could be a little bit ironic you wearing that yes it is absolutely yes it's it's ironic it's I'm not a label wearer no I hate labels oh my god anything with a label on it is so annoying to me it's embarrassing I remember like you know there's a I, I remember growing up because we didn't have a lot of money but obviously I wasn't starving I grew up in like uh, suburbia in New Jersey but I remember being so obsessed with like labels you know growing up because I didn't my parents didn't have that money to buy me guest jeans or traffic jeans or whatever was in style Chemin de fur that's what all the girls were wearing in Malibu that, Chemin de fur that sounds like a vaginal spray <laughs> um but I, so I would be, I remember being very materialistic. Like when I started getting money, like I wanted nice things and I was like, but I don't want, I never wanted anything with a label on it, you know? And there's a whole culture of like, oh my God, we have to have a Fendi bag or a Gucci bag or a Birkin bag. It's like, can, I can't think of anything more stupid. 
than spending money on a purse. I will tell you that there are people who love labels. A lot of people love labels or there wouldn't be labels. But when I'm ever going through my closet and getting, getting rid of stuff, my, my wife will come in and go, are you getting rid of this? And I go, yeah, it's, I don't like it. She goes, who makes it? I go, well, wait a minute. I don't want it. I'm getting rid of it. Does it matter? Is it less bad because, or, or because who makes it? Who cares? You know, right? So we always have this, we always have this label fight about the things that I'm getting rid of. And right. obviously if it's a label, it's, it's a tougher negotiation to get rid of it because she doesn't ever want me to get rid of anything. I'm, I'm like one of those guys, if I haven't worn it in a year, it's out. It's, it's going to, you know, it's going to go to Goodwill or, you know, I'm going to give it to somebody or whatever, but, but it, I, I have a, a rule. If I haven't worn it in a year, done. Well, that's a healthy, you're not a hoarder then. No, I don't get it. I don't get the hoarding thing. Do you? No, I'm not a hoarder at all. I hate things that, I mean, I don't hate, I I don't want anything around that I'm not using or that like has been sitting there. I like, I like to clean out my closet and just give stuff away and not hold on to stuff. I also though, I I have a kind of, I I aspire to be a minimalist and it's never going to happen. And I go to certain people's houses and, or, or see certain people's desks. That's a big thing. When you go to somebody's office and you see their desk and it's got a single pen and that's it. I'm, I go either they're, they're either Uber evolved, like, like super smart, way smarter than I could ever hope to be, or they're doing nothing. And I don't know which it is. Yes, that's right. That's good. I mean, I don't really have a desk. Do you? Well, you're sitting at a desk. I, I, today I'm in a studio cause we're moving and I, I usually do this at my house and can I tell you, moving is not for the yeah. faint of heart. No, it is. It's, not. it's like the number one reason couples split up. So be careful. Oh, and I know because also my wife has a um, really gnarly OCD around packing. So she. Oh, so that is so exhausting. Oh, so I, and I'm not kidding you. If we're going to go away for the for a weekend, a weekend. So which might even only be one night, technically. Right. You arrive on a Saturday, arrive on a Saturday, Saturday night and Sunday. could be one night. The amount of packing, unpacking, repacking that my wife will do. And now imagine. And if you're going for one night. Oh, you have no idea. What? Like games? I mean. No. You know, it's outfits, clothes. Oh, oh, multiple outfits. I'm going to go, honey, you're not Cher. There don't need to be costume changes. Um, And so now you can imagine with the house move, it's like. Like pushing, everybody has their buttons that are getting, but her button's getting pushed, but she's being great. I have to say, she's been so much better than I thought she would be um, with this move. And of course, I uh, will do anything to avoid work. Um, So I'm really good at, (laughs) I learned as a kid um, to, to, I'm really good at looking busy while I'm actually doing nothing. I learned that. I learned to avoid doing yard work that way with my, my domineering mother. And so I, I just carry that on now um, with this move. You'd think. Yeah, I'd- I do that with my family a lot. I'll be like, oh, can I can I help you with the dishes? And they just look at me like, no, obviously you can't. You're useless, you know, but I try to pretend like, hey, I I want to pa- I want to pitch in. But I know basically my only contribution is my personality. Same. Do you think that's enough? <sighs> What's gotten us this fall? Um, I, look. 
I do have guilt about not being as handy as I would like to be. Um, but I also know that at the end of the day, I'm more valuable not falling off the ladder, getting the leaves out of the drain pipe. Like, like it's like you want you don't want that to happen to me because I do other things that require me being ambulatory. I see. I see. Yes. Well, Does that make what- sense? Well, if you associate raking leaves with you falling and breaking your ankle, then yes, it makes perfect sense. There was a ladder. I wasn't raking leaves on a st- I, in the there story. Were and there were a ladder and then there was a rain gutter. So I don't yes. know what, where you ended up. Maybe you're, you fell off the ladder into the rain gutter. Is that what happened? Yes. I, yes. I once was sweeping the rain off of a flat roof. Chimney, the chimney. You were in the chimney to begin with. I was ne- I've never been in the chimney. I'm not Santa. Um, and and I've I've been injured doing very mundane things. That's the thing that like it's like the same as back to skiing is I can ski the 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 couloirs and all of that. But the only time I've ever broken a bone was on the bunny hill. I mean, it's like yeah. the it's the easy stuff where you take your eye off the ball that gets you. So that's why I, I don't want to do easy work. I don't want to do work. I want to sit and talk to you. And this is what I want to do. Are you enjoying doing your podcast and interviewing people? I am. I'm loving it. I'm absolutely like loving it. it. Because I think it's everything I love about talk shows and none of the stuff I don't love, right? So there's like, I hate pre-interviews. I hate giving them. I hate having them. Mm-hmm. I, I talk to only the people I want to talk to. I talk about whatever I want to talk to. I don't, I don't have to like, make sure you mention that they're starring as, you know, you know, Captain Banjo player in the new DC movie or whatever the hell. It's like, I just not into that. So um, Captain Banjo player, by the way, do you like that reference? I think that, yeah, I like that a lot. That was really, hot. that was really hot. Wasn't it? I'm going to write that one down. Yeah. Use that one again. Um, but um, I like it. It's such a nice medium because, you know, when you go on a talk show, it's so artificial and you're like there for seven or eight minutes and you're supposed to get your jokes and your stories. in. so it's like, it's back to the Howard Stern format that works the long, you know, the best is when you can sit with somebody and actually have a normal engaged conversation, not an interview, you know, like that's when you get the good stuff. I think in my experience with interviews as well, the more time you have with somebody, the more natural it is, you know? So it's a kind of great, I think that's probably why people love podcasts so much right now. It's, it's good use of people's times for, for sure. Oh, I, oh, by the way, I know I wanted to talk to you more about, so we talked a little bit about this when I did your show, I think we talked about, about ayahuasca when you did Chelsea does. And, and we share, this is the best. I'm, I'm so happy to say this phrase. We share the same shaman, you and I, shaman Rasmussen, who took you and did the, did the ayahuasca with you is my shaman. Is that right? Yes. 100%. And I don't know my shaman's name. It's, uh, it, it's, it's John. And, mm-hmm. but so, uh, my backstory with the shaman is Cheryl and I went on a vacation at um, what's the what's the 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 airy not the Ventana Ranch the one it's a big search the other one, um, post post post, post ranch. ranch post ranch thank you the post ranch so post ranch is is you know this famous hippy dippy high end gorgeous you know esoteric retreat and they have a, a spa menu in the room. And it's like, you can get a massage, you can go on a hike, you can go see the butterflies, you can get a session with the shaman. And I was like, oh, I know which one I'm going to be doing. I'm doing the session with the shaman. 
And I'm like, this is either going to be the greatest thing ever or the most ridiculous, ironic thing. It was the greatest thing ever. When when the shaman walked in the room, I, I, honest to God, I was like, oh, okay, this is this. There's no fooling around. This guy's like, this is legit. I such energy, and it was. And he and I be, become friends ever ever since and in the course of talking when we started talking about ayahuasca and things like that and he's like oh i i did a show uh, where i took uh chelsea handler to do ayahuasca i was like wait what that's you i want to do that well i'm sober though so i can't really do it though that's the problem well, that's right you're sober but a lot of people do ayahuasca to get sober so maybe that's right could, yeah you could re-sober up it's not like a drug drug it's not something you're going to want to do again for sure. Is it really painful? Is it like, is it really the vomiting and the all of the yuck before you get to the good stuff? Uh, well, it was, yeah, you vomit. And they told me that I would, you could possibly shit your pants. And I was like, I won't do that. Like, I'm not a beginner. You know what I mean? Like, right. I know I do drugs. I'm not going to shit my pants. And my shaman actually did shit his pants twice. So I don't think, I, I think the guy you're talking about was like my escort to Peru. And then the shaman that I did the ceremony with was someone, was someone else. Makes sense. Peruvian, like he literally lived inside of a tree. So I don't think that's Rasmussen. No. But um, I'd like to hear more about your experience. Like what, what was it? What was it like? Well, I mean, we did, he did a lot of stuff with like, like rocks and ra- rattle, the thing called left eye tracking, where you look in their left eye and they do a ra- a, ra- a a rattle, and it's the it's the sound of the rattle and the rhythm of the of the rattle and the frequency of it, and it and it's all um you know it's all stuff that's been handed down generation for hundreds hundreds of thousands of years and sort of the Native American and indigenous people stuff and um. I found it to be really fascinating. I have to say, um, Did it, yeah, it does. It sounds, yeah, okay. Well, good. I mean, it's whatever you get out of it, right? Well, yeah, and like just on an anthropological thing, which I love. I love learning about that stuff and whether it, it's like whether it works or not. To me, kind of is irrelevant. It's like that's the least interesting part of it to me. It's like I, I, I love the process of it and. Why are people still sh- staring into people's eyes and shaking rattles in in 2020? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, well, like, why? There's got to be a reason. Well, people are looking for answers. And sometimes there's an answer and a rattle, right? I mean, and by the way, it doesn't matter if it's true or not. It just matters what you choose to think works. Like, we can convince ourselves of anything. So, you know, it's like meditation works if you believe it works. If you're sitting there saying it doesn't work, it doesn't work, then it doesn't. You know, it's like you have to participate in, in, in like those types of things. Do you, do you, have you ever done like TM or any meditation, proper meditation? I meditate every morning, but I don't do TM. No, I haven't been trained in TM. I think you do it, right? I think you and I talked about that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I had a, um, I had it all set up and then COVID happened and you have to do uh, a training for TM in person. So I'm, I'm with Peggy Hintz woman, right? Or Peggy Mitz. There's some woman who t- trains everybody for TM. It's the David Lynch Foundation. In, right. in okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, but 
So what does your meditation look like? Well, I mean, what, what I is- I get up every morning and I just, just to not be a bitch, you know, like I just have to regulate myself. If I wake up in a foul mood or I feel like a cunt, I'm like, no, you can't be a cunt today. Like you have to be nice to everybody you see. You have to engage and be focused when you're talking to people, even when you're not interested in talking to them. I need you to be nice to everybody. And that's basically my meditation is my, that's my intention every day is to be kind, generous, and not be irritated when people are like, you know, I find them to be a little stupid. I can't be irritated. I just have to be loving. So that's my meditation pretty much in life. You know, these days. You and I have the same, you and I have the same meditation, it sounds like. <laughs> I have to wake up two hours early not to be a cunt either. <laughs> and we'll be right back after this. Looking for a sparkling clean bathroom without so much hassle? Wet and forget. Weekly Shower Cleaner is here to revolutionize your cleaning future. Just spray today, rinse tomorrow, and voila! Enjoy a sparkling clean shower and tub without any scrubbing. It's the secret to a hassle-free clean bathroom that many are discovering. With over 33,000 five-star reviews, Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner has proven its effectiveness on shower glass, fixtures, tiles, and more, ensuring everything shines with minimal effort. This product has gained a loyal following thanks to its once-a-week application that makes it a standout in the cleaning aisle. Join the ranks of satisfied users who enjoy more me time and less clean time with Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner, available at Amazon, Lowe's, Menards, Home Depot, and Ace Hardware. It's the perfect choice for anyone wanting to simplify their cleaning routine. Don't miss out on a chance to transform your bathroom cleaning with just one application a week. Pick up a bottle of Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner today and join the thousands who've already made the switch to Effortless Clean. Hey, listeners. Ever have trouble getting someone on the phone when you have a question about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day, or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The weather is getting warmer. It's time to ditch the jackets and sweaters for shorts and tees. But there's no need to waste money on clothes that only last one season with Quince. Now you can get high quality pieces that never go out of style. You'll be wearing year after year. Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts for $30, performance polos, and versatile flow-knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering with the top factories, Quince cuts out the middleman and passes the savings directly onto you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. My producer recently made an order for Quince, and here's what he had to say. I'm really excited to revamp my closet with Quince. I cannot wait for my items to arrive from Quince. You know, I'm a sweater guy. I was looking at that burgundy cashmere crew neck. I love the blue chore jacket. 
Maybe I'll throw some joggers in there. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash Rob for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Rob to get free shipping and 360 day returns. Quince.com slash Rob. I spent I spend so much time in my car. It's it's worth it. It's worth it to live where I live and to live the the quality of, of life that I live and to give my kids the kind of upbringing they were able to have outside of Los Angeles. But if if you do one of those things about the, if you add it up all the time that a human being sleeps, you would. It's like when they do that, get into that stuff. If you add it up, how much time I'm in a car? It's it's years. It'll be years of my life. But whatever. You know, yeah, so, yeah. Well, well, Los Angeles isn't great for traffic in general. I just sold, I'm homeless. I've got to find a house in LA because I just sold my house. And then I came to Whistler. And so my my assistant goes house hunting and just FaceTimes me. So I'm going to have to buy a house over FaceTime. That should be a disaster. Um, You can't do that. Don't, don't, you You must not do that. You have right, to. I know it's still, it's silly. I bought this house over FaceTime because it was, it came available and I couldn't come up to Whistler because of the, of COVID. And so I just kind of pulled the trigger because I was like sight unseen. And I mean, I'm, I'm happy. So that's good. But you're right. You shouldn't be buying things over face. I mean, I'm, I'm no financial expert, but I don't think I, you should. That's so me. Like, I'm so impulsive. I don't think things through. <laughs> like, yeah, just buy that house. If you don't like it, we'll sell it. It's like, ugh, talk about white privilege. No, I mean, that's your uh, your um, your new show title, right? Of the last special. Uh, that was my last documentary. Hello, Privilege. It's me, Chelsea. The la- the most recent thing was is, is Evolution on HBO Max. That's my stand-up special. And then Hello, Privilege, It's Me, Chelsea was for Netflix, which was like, you know, confronting, kind of trying to understand myself exactly what white privilege is so that I wasn't having opinions about something I knew very little about, being that I am white and probably immune to a lot of it because it's been my life, you yeah. know? Uh, so yeah, it was more of, that was like a kind of inter, inter, it was just like an interrogative about like, what is white privilege? What does it mean to be white in this world? And what are we not thinking about, you know, that we're, you know, that because of not being exposed to enough, which is. What, what was the number one, what was the, your biggest sort of, oh, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you had a ton of aha moments. What was the one that stood out to you, if any? I mean, overall, the overall theme was just my own entitlement, like my own entitlement. Just, you know, I've never been pulled over and not like argued with a cop. I mean, I've always been like, you can't give me a ticket. Like I've had such attitude, you know, the entitlement that I think I, that I can act like that where, you know, a black person gets pulled over and they're scared for their lives. So it's just, it's like the daily things going to a grocery store and eating, you know, a gummy bear out of the gummy bear bin, which I've been wanting to do. Um, obviously now with COVID, I won't be able to doing that anymore. But, you know, like the things that you take for granted just because you're raised without people looking for you to screw up. And I also had a boyfriend, a black boyfriend when I was in high school and we got caught with marijuana twice and he got arrested both times and both times they let me go. And, mm. you know, at the time I was like, oh, I'm funny and I'm cute and pretty. And it's like, no, they were looking to get him in trouble. And they were looking to make sure that I wasn't going to get into trouble. So, 
uh, I learned a lot about it. And I learned, you know, that you have to be a participant and an ally to, you know, all of these groups because we've benefited. Any white person has benefited when somebody, you know, is, is being subjugated. There's a group that's benefiting from that subjugation. And so we all have to take responsibility now, you know, now it's, it's on the table every day. So you can't look away from it. How was the reaction to people? I, I, I heard it was, I haven't seen it yet, but I, I, I've heard people talking about it. And people loved it. Oh, thanks. No, I think it was a good reaction. I mean, I'm sure people were like, oh, what is Chelsea doing talking? I wasn't talking about racism. I was talking about whiteness. You know what I mean? Which I have a lot of experience with. And I've got some experience being white. I think. Yeah. And with white women, you know, I mean, that'll be my next one. I want to do a new Chelsea Does series where I do Chelsea Does Karens where I can. Oh, my God. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And I'd be like, listen, I speak Karen. I grew up. I speak white woman. I understand that you guys have gotten different information, but I can show you the light because I showed myself the light. The the Karen thing is is my favorite. It's like it's such a genius, brilliant name like it's like it's just discovering a species that we knew has been there forever and somebody said oh you know this is a species right this is an actual bird like i know the karen i think i was i think all my substitute teachers were karens yeah there's a lot of karens out there but you know it's good that they're being called out i like that because we should and we should also you know we should call people out and then be able to forgive them once they realize that they've, you know, that their behavior is unacceptable and are interested in changing their philosophy or ways into like more kindness, then yes, then we should always forgive people too. I'm not into this whole canceling everybody who says something wrong. It's like we, everybody evolves. There's an evolution to everybody. Do you find it's it's harder? I mean, I I can't even imagine that. I mean, you're about as fearless a person as I know, but is it, do you, ever self-censor in this culture where everybody's so sensitive to everything when you're trying to be funny? You have to, you know what I mean? Like party, like you have to, to be sensitive to other people. Like if you come to an understanding that words are harmful to subjugated groups and marginalized communities, and they're not just there for the benefit of your entertainment, like, and humor like you have to make the adjustment and yeah, it's good. It makes people think harder about comedy, you know, to be more clever, to be, you know, to start with yourself instead of others. You know, I think we're in a really sensitive time and we should be sensitive to that. I was watching um, uh, a best of all in the family recently, and you cannot believe the, the, the themes that they were able to do um and 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 listen archie bunker was a misogynist chauvinistic racist that was the point of the character right yeah still though the things that he says on network television like you couldn't there's no way you could do it to, there's no way no, you, you no could do and it nor should we like that was a time and the place he did that that's enough of that you know we don't want to do that anymore but you're right even things you, you've seen five years ago you know, you're like, whoa, that wouldn't be okay now, you know? Yeah. And you don't see it so much in drama, I, I don't think. But but when you watch, well, comedy has always been, um, it, it, comedy is a shelf life business. I've, I, I've always, like what's funny 50 years ago is not funny now. What's funny, mm-hmm. notwithstanding the cultural stuff we're going through. It just is right, like, right. I've never, I've like never. Like sarcasm isn't funny anymore, you know? Like earnestness is funny. Like, the, like 
uh, what are those two girls, Abby Jacobson and Alana Glazier, you know, their show, what's it called? Oh uh, yeah. Um, I can't think of it right now, but like uh, broad city, broad city right? like yeah. that humor was, was very, is very representative of like that generation where it's, it's more kind and quirky and, and, you know, oddball and goofy. And it's not, there's no sarcasm because sarcasm is mean basically, even though that's like my right hand, I'm like every, my, my nieces and nephews were like six and seven are sarcastic. They're right. like, Oh, this cereal is great. You know, like right. that's how we communicate as a family. But when you really like break down sarcasm, you're like, it's just negativity, but I still like to participate in it because it's funny. It makes me laugh. But yeah, it, comedy does change all the time. Like I've, I've definitely noticed that. I have never laughed. And he was a great, he did great things for the country, obviously, but I have never cracked a smile at say Bob Hope. Uh, clearly America thought Bob Hope was hilarious. And right. do you ever sometimes watch people to go, I like, there's certain shows that I will not name that are huge, 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 huge comedy hits on television and I will watch multiple episodes and not even smile. <laughs> I'm going to watch this, one of the all-time biggest hits in the history of television in my lifetime. I'm going to watch it. It's a com, and I just sit there and it's crickets. Do you ever have that? Yeah, I've tried to watch shows that people have recommended where I'm like, wait, I don't get it for sure. But I don't continue to watch that. I, but I also notice, you know, like comedies on TV, like I like dramas, unless they're like, you know, a dr like a dramedy. I'm not interested in watching that stuff. I never have been. It's so much because probably because that's my life is like, you know, stand up and comedy and trying to always like bring humor to a situation. So when I watch stuff, I go serious. Like I'm watching Marcella on Netflix right now, which is just the perfect kind of show for me, like detective murder, some fucked up woman whose husband left her and her kids are a hot messes. Like, I love that kind of interpersonal drama. Do you, uh, did you see Chernobyl? Yeah, I saw that. That was great. That's my favorite thing of the last couple of years. Yeah, that was really good. That guy, whoever that actor is, is awesome. You know, the guy from the queen also. Oh, oh. Remember? who is the star of Chernobyl. Yeah, the, 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 the well, the, both of them. And I can't think, God, I can't think of their names. Oh. He said, we'll just call him Rob Lowe. Yeah, the, Rob Lowe was great in Chernobyl. I was great in Chernobyl. <laughs> I, the, uh, yeah, where the reactor melted down my cheekbones, that, that, uh, that, that episode of Chernobyl is quite spectacular. Um, well, I'm trying to think what else I like, what else I've been watching that's, that's particularly good. Uh, I just, Michael Jordan's, first of all, that Michael Jordan documentary, I watched about four times. That best. was the best documentary I've seen. And, and I'm not a sports fan. I'm that, that was a great human interest story. You know, Wasn't it? you forgot how incredible Michael Jordan was. Oh, my favorite is him in the iconic Bulls uh, uniform, smoking a, a gigantic Churchill length cigar in the, 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 those images are just the best. I like that he was wearing shorts while he was being interviewed with drinking like a Jameson. Like he didn't even get dressed for the interview in that. No. For that documentary. He's like, I'm going to put shorts on and I'm going to make a cocktail and then I'll interview you and then I'll sit down with you. I'm like, yeah, that's hot. He's a baller. I, I um, once uh, watched a, um, it, was, it's a, it was at a casino and this was the group playing blackjack it was Jordan Barkley, um, Pete Sampras and Mario Lemieux. By the way, all four of those guys are in the hall of fame in their sports. 
and they they must have been betting 50 grand a hand and not even looking at the cards, like talking to me, talking to themselves, drinking, drinking, smoking cigars. I think they were playing two tables at once. And this is just another day in the life for Michael. Just oh, so fun. So much fun. I love that. I love guys who gamble. You know, my favorite um, Jordan, and it wasn't in the um, documentary. My favorite piece of Jordan trivia is you, if you go back and look at the Lakers and Showtime, they all have like these butt tight shorts on, right? Like you go, oh, I really, yeah. right? Like, like butt tight, like, like, mm, I don't know what's going on here. And then all of a sudden the shorts were baggy. And that was because Michael brought in the, the baggy shorts that we still see in the NBA. The reason they went from butt tight to baggy was because Michael would not play without his North Carolina shorts. So they had to make the NBA uniform longer to cover his North Carolina shorts that he insisted on wearing before every game. Wow. Isn't that a cool little weird? Why wouldn't they have put that in the documentary? That's such a cool little nugget of information. I know, because overnight, the look of the NBA changed. I remember they talk about that. They don't say that it's his... Because of him, though, yeah. Yeah, they say it's like the Fab Five of Michigan and all that stuff. But they, everybody took their cues from Michael. He was, he's still the man. He's, uh, yeah. I've got, I, have you ever gotten into golf? You, you strike me as somebody who would like golf. Why? Because I look like a lesbian? Well, I didn't want to come right out and say it. Yeah, no, I'm not into golf. I find it so, I mean, I haven't really given it a go, but I don't foresee that happening. I, I, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Are look, you into golf? I'm obsessed with it. It's the most addictive sport I've ever encountered other than surfing. Truly, you, it's a- Are it's, you a big surfer? Yeah, I love it. Oh, that's nice. That's I love good. it. But, but skiing is my best thing. That's the thing that I'm actually like. I wish we should bring back the John Denver ski. Do you remember the John Denver celebrity ski tournaments they used to have? Was that before your time in the business? No, but I would totally do a celebrity ski tournament. Why are, we, why are you and I not doing a celebrity ski tournament? Lindsay would do it too. Lindsay Vaughn. I mean, she'd kick our ass, but she she'd would kill do us. It. What? Yeah. I'm, I'm serious. We need to figure this out. I'm not kidding. Well, we, we should do it at Whistler. Yes. I mean, how great seeing, you know, Justin Timberlake break his Achilles on the hill. It would be amazing. I'm just, yeah. I, don't know why, I don't know why I chose him to get hurt on my imaginary. Yeah. It sounds like you're pretty speech. jealous of him, Rob. I am. He's too talented. He's another guy who's too talented. I just can't have it. Can't have that kind of thing going no, on. You can't have that kind of competition. No, no way. How dare he be a good actor and singer and dancer and gorgeous and married? And it's, I can't, I can't. It keeps me up at night. Um, I would love to do, because John Denver had it. It was in Aspen. It was a big deal. I wasn't, I was never famous enough to get into it. Um, And it's a great, it's my great career regret that uh, it never happened. But that would be awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would be fun. We should talk about that. I'll get my, I'll start thinking about that on the chairlift later this afternoon. Start putting, and we start thinking about who skis. I don't know. Cause that's the thing that always made me laugh is you go to Sundance for a movie and I'd always want to ski and no one it's deserted, deserted during the Sundance film festival. Yeah. Kevin Hart thinks he can ski, but he can't really. I can promise you he can't. He can't. And he will, he will definitely want to be in the tournament. So that's a bonus. Um, who else? Lindsey Vaughn. Yeah, there's some other people out there. Josh Jackson. He's a big skier. Joshua Jackson. Hmm. I don't know. We, we need to think of it. The Kevin Hart thing. We're done. We've got our sponsorship there. He's the big, biggest okay. star in the world. 
We're done. Yeah, we can have MasterCard sponsor it. Yeah, it's it's over. We're, we're yeah, we, we've whichever got whichever credit card he's endorsing this month. Yeah, I mean he's a he's a machine. I know, I know. He really is. He work. Wor- he's a workaholic, is what he is. Are you a workaholic? I'm I, not. I am. I can tell you're not a workaholic. You're skiing every day. Yeah, no, I'm not a workaholic. I like to take long breaks. <laughs> I here's my. I love working really, really hard for extended periods of time. And then when I have that a month is plenty time off, I so enjoy it because I feel like I've earned it. Like I like my self-worth is so low that I have to I have to grind my fingers to a pulp in my cushy, stupid show business jobs so I I can enjoy my time off. Mm -hmm. That sounds very, very uh, reasonable, Rob. Does it it sound like I've had some therapy or I've had no therapy? No, it just sounds like you. Yeah, it doesn't sound like you've had a lot. Of <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you should probably double back on the therapy. I know. I don't want to be in a couch my whole life. No, you don't have to. You go like it's like surgical. Like you go to therapy for like three months, six months for incremental times in your life where you need guidance and help and self-awareness. And then you don't hang out with that person for the next five years. That's the opposite. I like therapy in short bursts. Like, hey, I have a problem. Please straighten me out. What's my problem? Usually it comes back to the same thing. I'm a bitch and I have no patience. So I always have to kind of like double back with that theme. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, now I have tools to combat my bitch. Okay. So let's talk about no patience. Cause if you asked my family, my biggest flaw or like what they would like to change about me, I can promise you it would be that I don't have enough patience. Yeah. What does that, what does that say about me and you? That we're selfish. Because patience is about being selfish. Like you don't have time for other people to take time doing what they're doing because you want everything fast. It's what you want, right? So we're selfish. So I don't want to be selfish. You probably don't want to be selfish either. No, no. Right. So then we just have to figure out the tools to not be selfish, the opposite of it. So the opposite of patience is like, okay, so when somebody does something and I'm like, I catch myself now and I'm like, no, 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 just be loving and sweet. Like it's not all about you. It's about everybody. So that always helps me. Yeah, it, it, it's. You still can't understand. He's like, whatever. <laughs> wait, wait. I'm like, wait a minute. What is this thing? Not about me. What? Can you explain that a little bit further to me? It feels good to not be like, it feels really good when you're able to like, not be like that, you know, like even like for a second when you're like, you can turn it around. You're like, wait, that's not, that's not giving or loving or caring. Like, I don't need to be. It doesn't have to be about me when you can actually do that and mean it. You're like, oh, that was good. I like that. I like the way that feels. Yeah. And and it's funny. Selfishness is not the exclusive purview of privileged, entitled people either. I mean, like I, 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 I've met selfish people in every walk of life I've ever encountered. I'm one of them. So I know them when I see them. I, I know my brothers and sisters when I see them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Right. So this is selfish. The secret society selfish person's handshake. You know, it's not that big of a secret. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Um, so tell me about the plan for the rest of the day. I need I need to live vicariously as I send you off to your your wonderful day you have ahead of you. Well, I'm going to just hit the slopes again. Oh. I have my gear on. I'm going to put my coat back on and I'm just going to go out there and meet my friends. And then we're going to go to a little apre. So it's all oh, apre. It'll be pretty fun. 
Well, will you please give everybody my love? And uh, I need to get back up there. I had I I was up there directing a movie, and I love directing the movie, but I loved my weekend escape skiing almost even better. <laughs> it was yeah, so fun. I bet. I bet you guys were having fun up here. We were killing it. <laughs> well, to give everybody my best, and let's think about first of all, we should think about the name of our new celebrity ski tournament. It should have a really cool name. The Rob Lowe Celebrity Ski Tournament, quite frankly. You're just willingly giving up billing on this? Yeah, no, no. I think, well, we'll discuss it further. Let me get my thinking cap on. That's a totally different color cap. It is, it, and it's a different style, different color, different color cap. Okay, put the, put the thinking cap on. Wear a helmet when you ski, please. Always do, always do. All right. Thank you, darling. This is so fun. Thank you, Rob. Have a great Bye. day. Bye, guys. Bye, you guys force of nature she is i wish i could bottle some of that essence i don't know how i'd describe it she's kind of like in your face clearly very funny really smart charismatic attractive she's she's great and um obviously some of her skiing ability uh that was great and thank you to the wonderful chelsea handler and i am off to do some ayahuasca and uh, poop my pants thank you very much You have been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe. Produced and engineered by me, Devin Torrey Bryant. Executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile. Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco. And Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Stitcher. The supervising producer is Aaron Blair. Talent producer, Jennifer Samples. Please rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts. And remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.